I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. This is Tom Morello, and you are listening to Maximum Firepower. It is a great honor to have my guest today, Nadja Telekornikova from Pussy Riot. Nadja and I have a brand new song out now called Weather Strike. Nadja, welcome to the program. Hello, thank you so much for having me here. We've been friends, acquaintances, and musical comrade for some time now. But this is the first time we've been able to sort of sit down and do a little bit of a career retrospective. For those of the listeners of this program who may not be familiar with the music and confrontational art of Pussy Riot, just give us a brief synopsis of the band's foundation in Russia, its intent purpose, and what got you thrown in jail for two years. Well, we started Pussy Riot Band in 2011, and in 2011 it was a weird time for Russian history. Putin decided that he's going to be president for the third time. He forgot to ask his people if uh, if they wanted to see him as a president. And we were among those young female queer Russians who didn't want to see him uh, as the next president because he's a homophobe. He's trying to uh, bring Russia to some weird conservative place where it's never been actually, because like we are a progressive country. Like we went through good and terrible sides of the Soviet Union, not for Putin to try to pretend that Russia is conservative, because you know, like Russian women had rights to um to get an abortion in, in the twenties, and we were the second country on earth who got the right to vote for women, and so we cherish it dearly, and we want to bring this heritage with us into the twenty first century for our daughters. So we're not happy with this course of action for our country. We started a band, not a band, it was like, it was a fake band. Initially, it was a protest art collective. And then uh, we created a fake band to, because it's just easier for people to be like, oh yeah, this, this uh, screaming girls on the streets, they are a band. But we didn't know how to play guitar. So you're, you're the first member of Pussy Right who actually know how to play guitar. <laughs> so um, because honor. it's actually a big step, like, especially for my Russian audience. They couldn't believe that I collaborated with Tom Morello because for them, Pussy Right is a protest collective. It's um, activists. For some people, it's just a bunch of blasphemers, but it's not musicians. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for bringing your um, well, respectability yeah. and authority oh, I'm, 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 in the music I'm, industry. I'm, I apologize for breaking your perfect record there, though. Like I like. <laughs> Funny how we um, ended up releasing the song because like we, we've been like, okay, I'm so anti-system. I can be friends with someone forever, but. I never feel like I have to actually prove to someone that I, I, okay, we made a selfie, like we made a record, like I can be just friends with people, but never actually put something out with them. And uh, it's like, it's a recurring thing. I just released a first record with Dorian Electra this year, and we've been friends uh, with them for years as well, like since 2015 or 16. But sometimes I feel like, I mean, it's nice to put things out finally, because like, we, we just keep it all for ourselves and our little tiny world. But yeah. um, it's nice to appreciate people around us and share our artistry with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little about the song. I want to go back to some Pussy Riot history. But so so I all I knew was kind of like the legend and lore of Pussy Riot. You know what I mean? And it was 
exactly the kind of thing that I admire and aim for in art. It's like it's rebellious. It's art as confrontation. It's performative confrontation in a way that some of my favorite music and art and politics are. And also the fact that, you know, a lot of us sort of rabble rousers over here, you know, we sing songs about revolution, this, that and the other without suffering repercussion. And you, the two of the members well, of the collective... Well, if Edward Snowden was about to write a song, I think you could, exactly, could do that. Exactly, exactly. Manning. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But I mean, the fact that you actually did jail time for your thoughts and yeah. for your art was something that certainly got my attention. And when I was uh, working on a record of solo music or a, a collaborative record, I reached out and it was very... First of all, it was difficult to sort of find you. And I believe the first time that we actually spoke and we exchanged riffs the main riff in the song weather strike i think came from you or it came from your uh, off, through my an email from like the wilds of siberia or somewhere like you were <laughs> fought, you you were like off the grid you were completely off the grid and i got this email with this sort of like scratchy vocal and this kind of badass bass riff and i'm like well we're off to a hot start right here <laughs> um we're doing it on purpose uh we don't want to be easily found but I'm glad we think we found each other. But you know, this is like my survival strategy in this information era. I feel like if we're meant to meet and collaborate, we are going to meet somehow. And yes. it always happens. It's like, yes. it's almost never like, I really want to reach out to someone and I know that they're not even on social media. There is no chance I'll not find a way. Because like, if I want really hard, I'll find them. Yes, I, I, I don't. Well, apparently I have some of that DNA as well, because I found you in the wilds of Siberia or wherever. <laughs> and thank you so much for your words about uh, Pussy Red. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really happy to hear it. It was so important for us always to combine, like in in Mibus trip, uh, politics and art. Because I really appreciate those artists who make a political music and then make political statements. It's so important. Um, it's great that they do it, but. I personally have aesthetical orgasms and from uh, from political art. And as someone who grew up in Russia, I was in love with Maikovsky. He was my first crush when I was in, in high school. So after that, it couldn't got, get even better. I mean, like, how can you compete with Maikovsky? So I decided to become Maikovsky. Yes. <laughs> and it's not like I'm saying that I'm my own crush. No, I'm not so self-centered, but I'm trying to create art. That will, will be my internal crush. I found it was a burden when I began to become a skilled guitar player. For me, it was a calling to be a guitar <laughs> player. I knew that I was an activist and I knew I self-identified as a revolutionary. But now I recognize that I had this calling that was something that was outside of choice for me. And I had to find a way to meld that vocation of being a musician, of being a guitar player with my sort of internal need to try to change the world. And so yeah. that's there's a million different paths that I could have gone down were I not a guitar player. But with the blessing and the curse of being a musician, I've had to kind of forge a path where that is where the radical politics finds an outlet. When did you uh, come to this realization? The calling was at 19, but it felt like they were two, the worlds were estranged from one another. You know, because I loved, you know, I liked punk bands like The Clash and The Sex Pistols and, and things like that. But I also loved like heavy metal music, too. And I thought that I might have to have a career playing music and then be storming the barricades on the weekends or after band, band <laughs> rehearsal or, or after band rehearsal. But for me, it really was The Clash and then Public Enemy that mm -hmm. sort of show, showed a way that you could make art that the music itself first of all the message can be compelling and radical and revolutionary but the art itself 
the guitar playing can be a revolutionary message. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there can be a synergy between them and an alloy between the sonics and the ideas. Like a guitar solo can be a revolutionary act, you know? And that, and Absolutely. That for, and that for me was, very, that was like, okay, I, I could like go, all right, I can embrace who I am and this calling that I've, you know, received from the, from the ether and still be honest to myself and what I want to change the world. Um, I'm really glad you found a way how to combine it. Another question that I get a lot from younger activists is like how to combine their calling and, and your your need for activism. Yeah. Especially like imagining some somebody comes to uh, the talk of Pussy Red and they, they just assume that to be an activist, they have to be musicians. And I'm like, no, you can be yeah. whoever you want. The, the yes. bottom line is that you are getting joy from what you do. And if you like really like what you do, you can combine it with activism. It doesn't matter. I mean, like if you're a doctor, even better, you're, you'll be Absolutely. a better activist than musician. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that is a central tenet of my work is that don't leave behind who you are and what you do. It's first of yeah. all, it's not always the easiest route. And whether you're a carpenter via the carpenters union or whether you're a doctor, it may not be the easiest path. But for a lot of people, I think it's much like I had that conundrum as a guitarist and felt like, how can I both do my job and be who I am and affect what I want to affect in the world? But the answer is it's easy. Like if you, there, there yeah. is no wall there, there is no wall there. And whether you're a student, for me, the first eye-opening thing was I worked on the newspaper in my high school and mm -hmm. I was a bit of a bit of a journalist, but I wanted to write stories about apartheid South Africa, death squads in Central America, and how the fact that the dean of students was a dick. And the paper would not allow us to write Same any of Same thing. Yes. <laughs> the paper would not allow us to write any of that. And so I thought, well, I can't be a journalist mm. and be who I am. So we we formed an underground school paper. We Same wrote about story. we wrote about the fact that the dean was a dick and apartheid and de <laughs> you know the Sandinistas and this, that, and the other. And I realized like that was easy. You just did it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I so feel I was, you. I mean, I yeah. I kind of like some some part of me like are deans supposed to be dicks? Because like apparently it brings us to good results. Because yeah. my dean was, was a dick too. Um, and <laughs> yeah, he was a terrible dick. And I was trying to write about uh, queer issues um, and about activism and uh, performances, but it was really difficult because they were like, oh, it's better to write about like poses that you prefer with your husband in your bedroom then write about gays and i was like you <laughs> this was just like so inappropriate from some like 80 years old professor to me when i was like 16 or 17 yeah it just it's just yeah. gross but like it's so sad that it's something that they feel like they can tell to a young girl <laughs> yeah 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 well it seems that you've you've transcended that as you said earlier there was certainly some fate involved in our making this song because long after you had sent that little bass riff demo uh and maybe the hook of weather strike i had kind of whipped it up into a track and then you were off of the grid we hadn't seen each other in maybe a year or and talked maybe a year or more. And then I was working with a producer named Dave Sitek in Los Angeles. And I was at um at a studio with him. And he we, we ordered like Chinese food or something. So he made a telephone call. And then, you know, a woman came in and had the Chinese food and and you know, she put it on the table and she sat down, you know, kind of listened to what we what we were doing. I was working on my Atlas Underground record. And she didn't say much. And then sort of during a break, she said, uh, you're Tom Morello. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I'm Nadia. I'm like, oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Like, like I'm Nadia from Pussy Riot. I'm like, what? You're the Chinese food delivery lady? And you're... <laughs> she and Dave 
our friends and you know, was visiting. And I was like, how did that possibly happen that we lost we, we lost contact? And then all of a sudden, like you, sh- you showed up with with vegetarian rolls, spring rolls. <laughs> well, I really like Asian food. And also, I don't like to, you know, just jump to people's faces and be like, oh, I'm pussy riot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I feel like we establish human connection and then if you feel like it, you can um, you can open open it up. <laughs> That's right. Well, then then we became re- reacquainted, which led yes. to the recording of uh, Weather Strike. So my two cents on on how the kind of the song came together was I, I got this great bass riff from the wilds of Siberia uh, and I had the idea for like the name of the song. And it's gone through a couple of lyrically you've changed it around a couple of times but i want iterations. you to talk about what, yeah 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 a couple of iterations <laughs> yes. but to me it all i'll tell you this about the song which you we don't you don't know is like the, to me the song was always a banger it was like it was raw it was like it had exactly what i imagined in my mind what a combination of pussy riot and tom morello guitar riffs would be it felt like it was exactly that intersection of our two worlds it was caustic and it was confrontational it was huge and it felt like you could like at a festival it would drive people wild and yet there was an intellectual subtext to it that was that was very meaningful so t- tell me uh, your take on the song weather strike um i decided to make it mostly about my favorite and least fa- least favorite topic in the world which is police violence well okay little story when we released at last year we released 13 12 everyone was like how did you? How did it happen that he released it right the next day after George Floyd's tragic death? Did you? Because like, we released a music video and we released a song, so it was like kind of obvious that we wouldn't do this just in one day. And so the truth is that we've been preparing it for uh, six months in advance, and obviously we didn't foresee this tragic event. So I feel like our role is to just all the time talk about really heavy issues and hope that they're not going to come true um because you know like i i my dream is to one day just wake up in a world where you don't have to sing about police violence anymore this will be an ideal scenario but i feel like like until that will happen i just can't deal with my conscience of just you know writing about uh friday night or um and no offense i have so many friends who write about friday nights amazing songs and i really enjoy them yes, on friday nights yes but yes. i feel like the let's, enjoy, let's enjoy for... friday night yeah 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 like, there's room not? for that there's room for that yeah room. there is room there is a like, big room for friday night and for saturday night as well and for every other night but um i feel like there is a niche for um and there is big need especially these days with all the violence and division that we see in political world, there is a big need for political artists who uh, contemplate on on issues like uh, police brutality. So I have no pleasure in thinking about this shit. But I feel like I'm, um, this is my duty as um, an activist political artist. This is Tom Morello, and you are listening to Maximum Firepower. It is a great honor to have my guest today, Nadia Telekornikova from Pussy Riot. So one one of the things I want to talk about is that, and I know that I've experienced this in my career, and I suspect you have as well, is that when you come from a background and when you have I put out anarchistic ideas into the world and suggesting some sort of utopian world, but then you also engage in this world. You make 
videos and you have an Instagram account and your face yeah, and there's <laughs> Pussy Riot is a, is associated with like a person who has a certain amount of celebrity and there's there's magazine covers and and whatnot. Um, and you're called and, capitalist vegan sellout. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, exactly. I mean, you get it from both you get it from both sides. I mean, you know that I don't need to tell you this. You you, you but, but 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 I think it's important to at least hear our perspectives for those who are young young or older artists who may wrestle with some of the same conundrums my take is very simply is like there's more than one way to create the world you want and it need they need not be in opposition to one another and if you are only comfortable selling 45s out of the back of your van to two people at your basement shows and that that's powerful. And if that resonates and harmonizes with who you are, then you should do that. If you want, like with whether Rage Against the Machine or this podcast or whatever, you choose a format to like broadcast a, a radical set of ideas that will find people who may never have been exposed to those ideas and allow uh, try to create a more fertile field for the kind of world you want to live in. That's another route. And I think that one should be able to decide that route. And the fact that, I mean, the, the first Rage Against the Machine record came out 30 years ago. And we're still talking, I mean, we have, we're doing a podcast now, we're still talking about that band in some ways, in part because of some of those choices that Rage Against the Machine made early on, which if we had just sold 45s out of the back of a truck, it might have had a different resonance, but certainly not the one that it's had. Um, I'm so glad about your choices. Um, Pussy Rider's celebrating 10 years this year. So it looks like we're celebrating together. Yes. Anniversary. Happy, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Well, this is a tricky one for sure, because you know you you want to create an ideal world right here and right now, but you have to be able to use tools that you have in your disposal now. And um, this is a big question every day, like pretty much about every action that you make. Like, is it uh, is it do you personally feel like this is ethic ethical? I'm like just trying to be true with myself, and I you know turn down a lot of things um you know i've been talking with uh big major labels and i was like no it doesn't feel right but not exactly because it's like everyone will say, say that i'm sell out from now on i just think that it's not instrumentally good enough for um amplifying pussy Red's voice because they're not giving enough these days at least the major labels they're not giving enough to and like, they censor you not not necessarily in a way like don't say fuck trump but they can they're going to say like, oh, don't use this color and this is the same censorship. But I think like whatever is the most effective but still ethical for you is the way I choose. I wanted to say that but when I had a demo of, of Weather Strike, this is some, some time ago, I played it for, uh, it was with a, a batch of songs that eventually became the Atlas Underground record, the first one. And a record executive said like they definitely didn't want that song on the record. Like it was just, there was something in it that was both sort of sonically and spiritually grating enough <laughs> that, that it just it wasn't. And I was, and it made me think, well, let me tell you what, you know, what's going to happen. That's going to be the single. That's what it made me think. I like so, it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so here we are now. Okay. So let's in, in wrapping up, let's talk about the phenomenon of being an artist, an activist and a parent all in one, <laughs> in one thing, because it's, it's dramatically affected my worldview, my willingness to get arrested etc. And I, I'll just share one quick story with you. When I was, um, I was in kindergarten on May Day, I did like a May Day presentation at my kids' class in kindergarten and told stories about this, that, and the other. And, you know, some famous activists who had gone to jail for 
workers' rights and union rights and things like that. And one of the kids raised their hand. They said, have you ever been to jail? And I didn't want to lie to him. I said, yes. And then another kid said, how many times? And I was like, oh, no. Like, we're about to get into some territory. Oh, boy. And I, and I, and I, and I told them honestly that it was f- five times. And, mm-hmm. and then, all, then that was the only topic of conversation. And for months afterwards, the parents of these kids would find me in the hall. They thought they were going to school with, you know, like John Dillinger you know, or, some, or someone dangerous like Pussy, Pussy Ride. Um, but anyway, it made me really think about sort of the intersection of like providing some sort of an honesty in how I'm raising my children and being honest with who I am and who I and who I've been. But at the same time, sort of, I don't know, providing some sort of protective bubble for them. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts on the topic of uh art activism going to jail in your kids well i have to give credit to my daughter she is incredibly strong and she really knows how to well she never she's never been in a conflict in her life ever she's a great problem solver and she can detect when people are acting abusive or toxic and she, she just tells them hey i don't like it like stop doing it she has been really mature since early age and i I think I was just lucky because, you know, if she was a little bit more fragile and different, insecure, maybe it would be much more difficult for her. But I think it's like the biggest gift that was given me from the universe. And a lot of times my daughter actually gives me emotional support and help me, helps me to go through shit that I'm going through as an activist. So I was lucky enough to be able to be like really transparent with her and she found maturity and strength and power to not being scared by it because i've seen so many adults being scared by me being transparent with them about everything i think like everything i want especially men jesus fucking christ they they get really scared sometimes but not my daughter (laughs) so i'm joking with her that they're like a real partner who's going to last with me hopefully for all my life is is her because like you know like other people can come and go but i i know that i always can ask her for help and she can ask me too so i feel like we're just best friends and also like okay disclaimer she's 13 years old so it might change in the next few years you never know it's like a really difficult age and i'm ready for it and i'm actually trolling her sometimes i'm like okay it's gonna be really difficult for you bitch to rebel against me because like what are you going to do vote for putin yeah yeah she, she, yeah she may she may find a way she may be careful be careful because she may find a way <laughs> i think she will um i mean you know i i hope i'm, I'm gonna be chill you never know of course i'm gonna freak out sometimes but this is just an, a normal stage and i think i think kids are supposed to rebel against their parents i'll, I'll be um like really surprised in a bad way if she didn't yeah that's interesting <laughs> have- like i mean my my old my oldest son is 11 and his uh his musical tastes are like young and sophisticated and diametrically opposed to mine and he he <laughs> what when is he, he listens, listen to you know what it's it's constantly the one of the main differences is i identified with bands and i would follow like i would, I would like, have an allegiance to like a band mm-hmm. through years with him it's songs and it just yeah, it, tur- it, tr- it turns yeah. over really rapidly and there mm-hmm. are very various genres but it's like like i can't keep track i mean i can't well it sounds those. like he's just listening to spotify 
um, TikTok viral. That's hit, right. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. But, I but, do, but, do actually. It makes me much closer to my daughter. You should try, try especially should try. when he will be like 13, 14, 15. You definitely just start start getting into viral TikTok clips. Yes. Yeah. I mean that that's that's where it all is. But the one but the one thing the one his his consistent review of my catalog of work he's like why are they always yelling he's like why are they always he's like like with the look on his face like you can see the look on my it's like it's why are they always yelling like like what a ridiculous thing to do in a song that's his thing like why are they always yelling? i love it <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like because at a time like that's what you're supposed you're supposed and he's like mm, i'm not feeling that yelling nadja thank you so much for both being on the show and for collaborating on the song weather strike and if you like the song weather strike here's a teaser it's not the last song by Pussy Riot and myself that you'll be hearing in the no, not too distant future. Not. So, yeah, it is. No, it is not. No, it's not. All right. So, so take care. Um, it's great to see you in whatever mysterious location you're at now, staying one step ahead of the law. <laughs> this has been Maximum Firepower with Tom Morello. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower.